up, folks? Welcome to an episode of the Art Tenders with Mac and Dan. I am Dan. He is Mac. Hi. Hello. So, Mac, how no are you? No more howdy. No more howdy. Howdy. I'm getting rid of it. I, wow. I got made fun of recently. Wow. Yeah. Really? Because you're a cowboy? Well, I'm a cowboy. Yeah. Yeah, I'm a cowboy. And uh, I, I think that it was the realization that um, the, the radio personality uh, that I have accrue over sure. the past year and a yeah, half. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, was not real. Well, it because was... we're just enhanced characters of ourselves. Exactly. In order to so, like put on. Even this though I felt howdy, howdy's not what I portray. I howdy's see. not what I actually give off. Wow. And so there were. I I was called for fraudulence, as I think is what it was. Um, but Danny, how are you? Are you okay? I I'm all right. I'm all right. Yeah, not too bad. Not too shabby. Um, before now, we get into a couple. Uh, yeah, house, a couple, a couple of things. things. A couple yeah. of things. You know, this wonderful you know art review show where we you know consume art and then yeah. we discuss it. Uh, that's just a very uh, you know, blanket term of uh, what we do for this podcast in order to get a better understanding of what we do and how we do it. And a few things we need to get ahead of on the docket. A couple of things. One, now because we have introduced penalty points, Mac, if you could uh, demonstrate to the viewing audience our uh, wonderful whiteboard that we've constructed. A filibuster for me. We are essentially um, keeping tally of the penalty points that we have and we're going to actually add one in just a moment so i currently have two mac has one uh after episode uh at the end of episode 59 is when we will uh you know tally tally them all up and uh you know select a costume for one of us to wear from party city whoever has i know exactly uh, what's gonna be uh, i know exactly what's gonna be uh now with that being said because of you know this new implementation of corrections there are some corrections that need to be made that are uh indicative of a penalty point whenever a penalty is induced we'll talk about whatever point that is and some kid outside is getting very excited I mean, good for them <laughs> it's a beautiful day in so the neighborhood it is it is a beautiful day in the neighborhood so why do you deserve a point uh because so as our sleeper pick, essentially a pick that is going to take a while to finish, but we just kind of put to the side and eventually get around to it uh, instead of doing a back and forth, back and forth. Uh, it is a game called Outer Wilds. Mac, last week I called it The Outer Wilds. That is just wholly incorrect. It's oh. not the name of the game, and therefore I deserve a penalty point. Danny, how dare you? <laughs> uh, and then with There's that, no way I would have ever noticed uh, that. We also talked about, this isn't indicative of any point uh, whatsoever, but I did want to revisit this, that uh, the guy who plays Ulrich in the television series Dark, the 2019 Ulrich, uh, Oliver Mansucci. Uh, is indeed Italian. Yeah, I I kind of got a tight butthole moment whenever that happened last week, but I I was confident. I knew, I knew. All right, and because then, I was trying to look for people that we could interview, and he was one of the only non-German people. It was like him and Jonas, and he's Italian, so he, I see he wasn't I much see. help. Well, either. I mean, his father is from Italy, but he, I mean, I imagine it's the case of like he identifies as an Italian. Excuse me, as a German. Uh, human being, right. being you know, born in Germany. German oh, human being. <laughs> um, then. Uh, some current events details. This is kind of a new segment. We're going to oh, see like how this, this. works, like see this. how this translates. Uh, where during this season, you know, in whatever respective season, uh, whenever there's something interesting that happens uh, in regards to one of the arts that we have consumed, we may uh, mention it very briefly. Uh, so this is in reference to when we reviewed The You, mm-hmm. the ESPN 30 for 30 film, as well as uh, part two of The You. Uh, we talked about how, particularly in part two, that Manny Diaz was the uh, coach of the University of Miami. That is no longer the case. Uh, now Mario Cristobal, who was a part of uh, 
those crazy, you know, the U days uh, uh-huh. is now the head coach, and he used to coach for uh-huh. Oregon. This only really cares for people who are, like, actually involved, but I figured, like, this is a good idea to sort of uh, adopt the idea that art is fluid, art is growing, yeah. and there are always things happening in relation to the art that uh, we are making, and I felt right. that this is relevant enough uh, due to the fact of the just the sort of interesting situation that the happened. fluid job, yeah. Well, and I also made the prediction that I don't think the University of Miami will ever be back to what it was in in those glory days, and like maybe this is indicative of a change that could be coming. That'd be really cool. So, and also I know that we always have an instinct to not date the show and like keep it something that people like a review that stands the test of time. Yeah. But uh, I think there's also is kind of a beauty, like you're what you're saying, like a kind yeah. of beauty to. Uh, um, acknowledging uh the piece for what it is in its time. Yeah. Uh, so and, yeah. And, but and then also acknowledging how it changes over time. Right. Right. A little bit of a segue into what we're reviewing. Finally, it took us long enough. We'll get better at this. We promise. No, no, no. I, for hey, this time, that might have been a record timing for an intro for us. Bleh, I mean, in terms of like length, <laughs> yes. Uh, it is a comedy special done by a comedian, a purple comedian. His name is Randy Feltface, and Randy Feltface is a puppet. Yes, he is. It is his comedy special, uh, Purple Privilege. Mm-hmm. It was recorded. Actually, I think it was recorded in 2020. I want to say in 2020. Uh, he's, he says 2020 several times. So probably 2020. Mm-hmm. Uh, Randy Feltface is a puppet that is controlled or inhibited, or not inhibited, but inhabited, let's say, by uh, this man named Heath McAvore. I believe his name is pronounced. Uh, this special covers uh, present time Randy uh, and then also Randy from like 2018 when he was in New York and seven-year-old Randy as well. And once again, if you're the follow-up question is, but Danny, this is a puppet. Yes. Yes. Like mm-hmm. we, we, that is the interesting premise, but it's immediately put aside as to, in order to serve Randy as a human being. And it's, um, it's made pretty clear, at least I think that, uh, that Randy is just an extension of, Heath, who is controlling, sure, the but that but Randy never acknowledges no, Heath right. is controlling right. him. This is not like a a Jeff Dunham situation. I was about to add, you're right. I was about so to mention Jeff that. Dunham. It's is, impossible not to talk about Jeff Dunham with this. Is probably the most famous American ventriloquist. I think that's, I would say that's, that's pretty safe. fair to say, at least in the past twenty years. Yeah, where I mean, he had comedy specials as well. And he was a ventriloquist on stage, and but he was there with the puppets. And so then he would have conversations with the puppets. So the puppets would be their own characters, sometimes acknowledge that, you know, like Jeff is controlling them. But Jeff and the puppet is having an active dialogue. And he had like different characters as well, as opposed to Randy Feltface, where the comedy special is just the puppet. Like, it's just the character. Yeah. You know, it's not Heath McAvoy at all. You know, he is not a presence that is mentioned, that is regarded to, in any way alluded to. It is strictly just a Randy Feltface performance. Like, if you're going to a Jeff Dunham show, it's not Jeff Dunham and blah, blah, blah. You know, no, no, no. You're going to a Jeff Dunham show. You're not going to a Heath McAvoy show. You are going to a Randy, Randy Feltface. Feltface show. Right. And also, it's, it's interesting that... Uh, because at first you're like, oh, this is this is a puppet show, right? Yeah. But I would go as far as to say it's not. By, yeah. by any means a puppet show. It, it's regular-ass stand-up comedy, but it just happens to be a puppet. Yes. Like and this so, could – everything that happened could have 
just as easily been done with a regular dude. Yeah. Yeah. Very much so. Very much so. And I think that also plays into, we'll talk about this more, of course, but some of the problems that I had with yep. this stand-up. But yep. I want to get into your first impressions, Mac. So you, I imagine you hadn't heard of Randy Feltface prior no to me mentioning it. Neither had I for a while. I just kind of stumbled upon yeah, how, some How clips. did you find it? Uh, there were just some YouTube clips that were just recommended rec- to YouTube me. Recommended, and, I, okay. and I was like, how how interesting can this be? I just like I pulled one uh-huh. up and it's just... I mean, it is a puppet doing stand-up. And it, the clips that I saw were fantastic, right? Yeah. And so that got me interested in... Was there any reused material from the show that you saw? Uh, no, I don't oh, think I impressive. saw that's a good. clip from this past stand-up in what I saw. Not that I can remember. Uh-huh. Uh, not that I can think of. But, uh, Mac, what were your first impressions of this stand-up and... I guess, like, what, what were, like, the first things that, like, really jumped at you? Was sure. there anything in particular that you feel like is worth mentioning in regards to your first impressions? Yeah, so I actually, I, I would say that I am to stand up as you are to video games. In that I see. A, a similar amount of time that you have spent playing video games in your life, which we can say is a... Considerable. Absolutely. For to, to literally where, as long as I can remember. Yeah. Like whenever we review video games and we talk about video games, I, I do kind of uh, allow you to take over because I'm like, oh, I, I, I know that you know a lot about uh, video games that I just could never. I have spent an inordinate amount of time in my life watching stand-up. I know like there's – and it's not even like the science of stand-up necessarily. It's more just like I've just consumed so much. Sure. So much of it. Sure. Um, and it did fascinate me that uh, it took me about five minutes to understand that I needed to be looking at this like any other stand-up comedian. Yeah. Like there was nothing different really other than... Well, what did you think was going to be different about this comedian? Um, self-awareness, I think. Okay. I, th- I thought that it was going to be acknowledged that this was a puppet. But then I realized that it was just a guy. Yeah. And that... Um, and there was kind of a beauty about that because... In a similar way to, I mean, really all the most successful like ventriloquists, or if we're looking at like Sesame Street or the Muppets, more the Muppets than Sesame Street. Um, whenever you're watching it, there is a certain lull in the middle where you forget that it's uh, that there's a person operating it. You know what I yeah. mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where like it where takes you're just minutes. listening to the words and like yeah. you're just, I mean, you're just responding to what's being said. And, right. And yeah, you to, just... to the point where I casually, as we were setting up for this episode. Um, would refer to uh, this standard comedian as Randy, yeah, um, because it's Randy. It is Randy, but, but at the same time, it's as a puppet. <laughs> yeah, but but it's funny because like, I'm sure I think if I'm not mistaken, like Randy Feltface is one of the most famous Australian comedians. That if we go to Australia and say, hey, name five comedians, Randy would probably be one of them, and they Hilarious. would. Pro- I I'm, at, I'm I think they would just refer to him as Randy. Yeah. And they would, you would just know, you know? Yeah, right, right. Well, and then it kind of begs the question, which I still don't have a complete answer to, so mm-hmm. all we can do is recklessly speculate. Oh, this is reckless speculation? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, why not? <laughs> it wasn't planned, but I, this is just off the dome. You're riffing. I'm riffing. Um, the next question is, why exactly is there a puppet? Mm-hmm. Like, why do you need one? Why why can't it just be Heath? I I will say I don't think this is a sizzle serve. I think if you had put this entire stand-up just in a human form instead of a puppet form, 
it'd be profoundly mediocre, boring, sad, and you would walk out halfway through. Uh huh. I think what makes this so interesting is the consistent physical manifestation of this puppet and these, this yeah. puppet's exploration of his very limited space that I think <laughs> is what yeah. makes this a treat. Right. In my personal opinion. Yeah. Well, I've, also, yep, go ahead. Oh, sorry. Um, also, it's that uh, what is so spectacular about it, I think, is that because we now have uh, a a programmed understanding of what a puppet looks like and how a puppet operates, mm-hmm. um, partially through our experience with puppets, like Jeff Dunham, like Sesame Street, like the Muppets, yeah, or or even animated TV shows, we we know the uh, what a puppet's supposed to look like. That it is even interesting. It is even more interesting for Randy Feltface to be a regular ass dude. And but to as have such, I mean, and this is a testament to Heath's like physical performance yeah. of Randy, which I still am very to curious have, about. Have I, I like I? It seems like Heath has like four arms. Like right. I don't know. I, I have no idea. Really have it. no idea how he uh, controls this. Po- it's. Magic. Insane. It's absolute it's, magic. It's, whenever and whenever he starts, to like uh, especially uh, with audience interactions yeah. and talking to people, that I was shocked and impressed by. I yes. don't know how you do that. But it's it's the exploration of this puppet as if he were a human, with the consistent human mannerisms that Randy has, mm-hmm. is part of the charm. It's also part of the charm of like, in terms of like puppet design. It's so simple, it's perfect. Mm-hmm. It is a perfect puppet design. There's not a lot of detail going on, no hair, no nothing sp- special like that, no facial hair, nothing like that. Maybe just like a shirt on and just big old bulging eyes, no eyelids or right. nothing. And it's this like lavender sort of purple that he has going on. And that's it. And that's all you it's need. It's a very barren and puppet. So, exactly. So yeah. what it's relying on more is the performance. Right, right. And it's allowing you to like see that this is like human enough but you never forget that's a puppet because of some of those caricatures right mm-hmm. like it's not designed to look like a human but what makes it so special is how it acts like a human right which is awesome and so then it goes into those audience interactions which i thought was some of the best parts of the special Me itself too. i thought so too was especially when he leads off the audience interaction with hey what's your name I'm looking down an aisle, aren't I? And so, because of course, you cannot see that he's looking down an aisle. And so, there's just this dead silence of this puppet just like staring and those gigantic eyes just silently and just, oh. And that, but like, like, but it's Heath having that realization through the apparatus that is Randy Uh that I think is what leads the stand up to its most special moments is when Heath is having the realization. Through the apparatus of Randy, and it's the exploration yeah. of with Randy, as opposed to for a lot of parts of this stand-up, it's meticulously set up, and that's what I actually found to be some of the weakest parts. Yeah, like I don't think Randy, let's just say Randy, is the greatest storyteller. I agree, and I don't think you go to a Randy show for the st- storytelling, mind you, like. He'll lose to Hannah Gadsby, and you don't watch a stand-up, and yeah. then all of a sudden, you know, it's like, oh, there's a message to this. I wasn't, you know, I'm not here for the message. But there's there's a certain level of execution that needs to be met that I don't think Randy 
met. And so there's a good chunk of this stand-up as well that he's literally just riffing and making noises. And it's like, it doesn't feel like you know what you're doing. And it doesn't feel like this joke was really deconstructed or constructed well enough yeah. for it to really stand on, on its to, own. Oh, right, and right. I'm not sure for a, lar- a large part of it, like, I-, I don't even know what is the reaction. And I think part of it, too, is that we're not Australian. I think some of the jokes do go over our head, and that yeah. doesn't help necessarily. Yeah, there were a couple terms that I, I didn't quite understand or, yeah. Yeah, or or things that just culturally they find funnier than I yeah. find. Yeah. I, I think I think what it is is that I love the physical manifestation of Randy, but the vocal manifestation, and there was a, like a constant yelling that I felt like it appeased to a 12-year-old. Yeah. Uh, like somebody in middle school, you know, with those crazy, with that crazy humor, yeah. right? Uh, I don't think is comedy that is particularly well manifested and well constructed. Mm. With that being said, stand up is, if not like the hardest artistic thing you could do, truly. Period. Because yeah. it's the, the most vulnerable. One, it's the yeah. most vulnerable you could ever be aside from being naked on stage i would much rather personally be naked on stage than than do a stand-up comedy show but also i mean the adrenaline must be unbelievable right yeah the uh whenever you're taking a look at the show i think that there are two routes that you can go in terms of comparison and in terms of uh trying to study it um in relation to the things around it or Uh things that are similar to it and so I, i think because um Randy clearly wants to be viewed as just another stand-up comedian. Right. I think it, we might as well take a look at it in that way. Yeah. Um, and the first person that comes to mind is Daniel Sloss. Okay. Um, Daniel Sloss, I think, also does the screaming thing, also is similarly animated, has very similar like vocal rhythms and patterns. And if you can feel whenever he feels like a joke isn't landing and he starts to... Uh, rely on his exit strategies. Does that make any sense? Like, go on. If he knows that uh, he's coming to the end of a joke and he doesn't have the audience exactly where he wants them, then it's it's kind of insecurity, but it's just like he uh, he will rely on the screams. He will rely on uh, a random act of comedy rather th- or a senseless act of comedy rather than a a actual planned joke. So like, and and that's just what you get from the audience, and you can definitely tell that not Randy, but Heath is doing the same thing. That yeah. like, if he feels like he's coming to the end of a joke and it's not as funny as he was expecting it to be, yeah, then he'll start relying on the twelve year old shit. And that felt like it happened a lot during this yeah. show, yeah. And and like, it's a it's conjunction of that with like I think relatively poor storytelling. Yes, yes. Uh, I I think. Did not serve Randy any favors. Uh-huh. And what I think is actually hilarious is that what served Randy Feldface more than uh, um, the humanity that he provided as this puppet and uh, uh, what the oh god, what's the word? I don't Personification. know. Okay. Um, I mean, just like sorry, what's the word? Sorry, yeah. Thanks sorry. for like throwing any bone. The at humanity me. of the Christ. inanimate object. Sorry. Yeah, sure. Um, <laughs> What served him even more than that was the awareness he had of his profound mediocrity and that he was willing to make fun of himself from the get-go. The fact that his first five minutes were about how much, how hard he bombed earlier that day 
yeah. is, <laughs> I think, really smart. That is good. That yeah. is good. Yeah, but it's difficult to me because in the same way that he relies on his exit strategies like Daniel Sloss does, the problem is that Daniel Sloss just does it so much better. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, yeah. there are so many things that I found quite similar between Daniel Sloss and uh, uh, Randy Feltface. Partially, it was the uh, exit strategies. But uh, another big one is that um, they would tell stories uh, that were not particularly funny stories. Mm-hmm. And they would rely on their commentary on the story to be funny rather than the story itself. Right. So there are uh, there there was like in the around the 80s with George Carlin, there was a huge uh, split, like 70s, 80s, huge split between two types of comics. Um, because originally a, a comedian wasn't necessarily a theater maker. A comedian was just a person standing on stage, right? Right. And we'll talk about the theater maker aspect in, in a sec, I think. Um, but whenever you're talking about just the stand-up comedian standing on a the stage, there's a split. And it is the people that are telling jokes, like the Jerry Seinfelds, which they're more theater-like uh, and more... Um, written and planned approach to comedy caters towards more of a Seinfeld type show, which is why that ended up being more successful than Jerry Seinfeld's actual stand-up comedy. I'm I'm safe to assume that you've never actually seen Jerry Seinfeld stand up, but have seen plenty of clips or references to Seinfeld, the show. Yeah. I've, I've watched episodes of Seinfeld. I may have watched Jerry Seinfeld doing stand up a collective, like three minutes. Exactly. Exactly. Right. And, and that's, most of America, and that and that's because it caters towards more of the the Seinfeld's type. Mm-hmm. Um, but the uh, the s- uh, large split is that there are storytelling comedians and there are um, one liner or planned like minimal joke comedians, right? Yes, and uh, and so that that that's a big split. But then also within storytelling comedians, there was another split um, with. I would say John Mulaney is probably where it happened. Not him by himself, but around that time period, like 2014, 15, yeah. where the split was, wait a minute, do I have to tell a story that has a point? Do I have to tell a story that like the end, like the last moment of the story is funny? Or can it just be a random story that's funny along the way? Um, and John Mulaney, for the most part, tells stories that have a funny moment at the end, but there are a couple stories that he has that don't have an ending and they don't have a clear arc. Yeah, but the journey just is so enjoyable. That you don't care. Yeah, exactly. Right. Like the um, uh, uh, John Moline talking about the homeless person um, that came up to him and uh, was, um, I'm gay, I have AIDS, I'm new in town, right? That the end of that story is not funny and I don't think anyone really even remembers the end of the story mm-hmm. because the middle is so damn funny. Yeah. And... I think Randy Feltface is in that genre of stand-up comedian uh-huh. of senseless stories that don't quite have an ending, but the journey is fun. Yeah. The problem is the journey's not fun enough yet. Yeah. It's definitely not polished enough that back to the Seinfeld thing, I genuinely think at the present moment that I feel like Randy is better served if he did like a sketch comedy show, mm-hmm. for example. Like mm-hmm. if he did a Chappelle show yeah. style sort of thing where it's like this this one sketch is focusing on this like one joke and then we're just going to fully explore yes. this entire joke. And then what would lend to that show is the fact that 
or like even something like Curb Your Enthusiasm of if it's a pup, it's a puppet going through these experiences, mm-hmm. but it's a puppet going through human experiences right. and acknowledging it as a human. And but also partially, yeah, I'm a puppet, but like not enough to really change the course of events. Yeah. And, you know? and well, and clearly you can tell, you can really tell that one thing that's been consistently getting in Randy Feltface's way of blowing up and becoming like a huge sensation. Like he talks a lot about how he's like not quite a, like he's too famous to go back to doing anything else, but he's not famous enough to actually make a name for himself. Yeah. Um, that uh, I think that what has kept him there and he says this several times is that he doesn't like the structure and that he's not willing to lie. Um, and so he isn't willing to make up a sob story for himself to get more famous on like a reality TV show type thing or like be acknowledged as an actual person. Right. But also he's not willing to uh, uh, like adhere to a structure that would keep him to something like a, you know, like, like a, a variety show. Uh-huh. Um, and so your, the Curb Your Enthusiasm was an excellent example. I think Louis is also a pretty decent example right. like of his show. But even more so, Portlandia is one that I'm thinking of. Mm-hmm. That, that that would make a lot of – like literally no structure whatsoever. You can do whatever the fuck you want Because Because what would be – this is just me, right? This is just my sensibilities, I suppose is the word. But like what would be interesting to me is A, seeing a puppet go through that experience – and B, seeing Randy go through that experience, yeah, right? Yeah, That, like, I do enjoy Randy the character. Me too. Right? But I think what makes Randy so much more interesting is when he is just going through that those experiences. And it's not like Heath is writing the character. It's just... I guess it, it always falls back for me, those physical manifestations... Yeah. Of, like, put Randy in those situations as opposed to, like, trying to force something to come out of Randy, if, right. if that makes sense. Right, right, right. Uh, That's a very roundabout way. Well, but that kind of gets back to your point of the best parts of the special by a landslide were the moments that uh, were not a part of the theater. Like, yeah. the, the that were not planned. The right. storytelling aspects. Right. It was the, the audience interactions. Yeah. yeah. Like, um... I would say one of my favorite parts of the show, I wouldn't say like number one, but one of my favorite parts of the show was uh, whenever he, yeah, he was talking to that guy and he was like, what have you done today? The guy was like, nothing. (laughs) And he was like, you gotta give me something. (laughs) It's like, I can't just do nothing here. Please anything. And then he's like, just the way he dissects it. That's such a profoundly human experience done through a puppet. Right. And and that is what made it funny. With the physical manifestation of a puppet. If that was a regular guy, I would have felt kind of bad for him. And I would have laughed because I felt bad. I was laughing with Randy because it, you're right. It was so human. It was so human. Um, one thing that I want to talk about before we go uh, to a, a little break is that um, now that we've t- taken a look at it in comparison to other comics that are the storytelling comics, I think I kind of want to look at it um, in terms of its storytelling aspects. Because even though he succeeds more as a comic than than a theater maker. Nice. nice. Thank for, you. For those of you who weren't watching, I mean, Mac had a burp and he turned away. I'm so proud of him. And I just, I controlled the fuck out of it. Thank God. It only took like a year and a half. <laughs> I really, <laughs> train me like a dog. You have to make up a game to make sure I don't do it anymore. It's the truth. I, I, this game is in, ingrained in me. Um, 
But I want to take a look at Randy Feltface from the perspective of a theater maker because that is really what it was at its core. Yeah. Um, and we'll talk about that when we get back from a word from our full sponsor. Sweet. All right, and we're back at the R Tenders. Howdy. Ow, ow. That's one of my intros. Me and Danny's intros are very different. <laughs> His sh- should be at the beginning, and uh, mine makes a little more sense in the mid. Good for you. Good for you keeping that water bottle away from the mic. Yeah, it's very loud to open this water bottle, so just in case, I put it away, that per was, se. That was a, a good move. Real pro. Um, so we were going to start this uh, this section of the podcast off talking a little bit about the uh, the theater-making aspects yeah, of Randy Feltface. Um, that my first instinct is to go to the stand-up comedians that have also been uh, – much more theater makers than they have been um, stand-up comedians. So, for instance, um, to name a few there, like that would be Jeff Dunham. Obviously, is a is a pretty good example of that. Yeah. Um, another big one would be uh, Oh Hello with John Mulaney and Nick Kroll. Oh my God, that's right. You, Mac, you've been meaning to show me that for years. I completely forgot. You still have never seen that, Danny. You've still never seen it. You're kidding. Danny, oh my god. How many times have I talked about this shit? I thought by now you have. I eventually let it go and distance myself because I thought you had seen it. Have you still not fucking seen it? Well, now I have the perfect opportunity to fucking make you watch it. Oh my god. I'm so mad at you, Danny. Shit, still. Have we ever talked about this on the show before? We must have at least no, once. No, never. I don't think God so. Maybe you may damn. you may have alluded to this. Okay, so like, I mean, years uh. ago, like when Mac and I went to school together for college, he would just, I mean, we're talking like months. Yeah. Months. Like he was like, hey, have you seen Oh Hello? Hey, have you seen this? Have you seen this? Have you seen this? And I'm I got like, everybody I to watch it. I got yeah. everybody to watch it multiple times too. Yeah. Gosh. I think I watched the first like 30 seconds. Yeah. Yeah. I, I just, I don't know. I mean, it was because I would just, it's not, I don't know. I don't know. I have no idea either. It why, wasn't. Why it was never. I don't know. I don't know why I never watched it. Now at uh, this point, now that I'm far. Well, now removed, I get to force you. Thank God. Okay, you're gonna watch it soon. Don't worry. I'm happy that my like expressing that vulnerability per se. Uh, expo- I was able to exploit some. Content. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. No. No. You score for me. Honestly. Yeah. You honestly. Yeah. You got me. You got me in a place. You sent me. Uh, reeling. As, Darling. As they might say. Oh my God! I love that song. Anyway, sorry. So we're talking about uh, Oh Hello is another good example, right? <laughs> I just like how I said darling, and you're like, oh, I just sent you. You did, yeah, darling. Again. You sent me. <laughs> me. Um, oh hello, theater maker. Oh hello. Uh, another big one would be Bo Burnham. Bo Burnham. Not to be confused with Bo 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 Bo. The anime. Show. I don't know what you're talking oh, about. Wow, I have a deep cut. Sorry, I'm I'm really I'm actively playing defense. No, you're good. <laughs> actively playing defense. I, I will stop getting in your way. That's good. There's okay, yeah. So Bo Burnham, uh uh um oh hello. And then the other big one is James Acaster, which I, I haven't really talked a lot about on the show. But I think is is really worth mentioning now, and I might actually. That, I think that was one of the ones that I, I wanted to show you, um, pretty soon here because, uh, he has such a tight show in terms of every single word is intentional, so intentional. He will have um, 
in the same way we talked about MF Doom. Yeah. And how much meaning there is in every choice that he makes. The meticulous nature of it. Right. I would say there is a similar amount of detail in James A. Castor stand-up. And that's not to say that he's the funniest comedian, sure. but I'm willing to say that he's really revolutionized the structure um, and that he is is really changing the way that st- I, I, I see stand-up at least. Yeah. It, well, in, in the way that like James A. Castor, he's a pretty young guy. Very young, yeah. Right? Yeah. And, that, and like, he is... This is an active change that is happening, not uh-huh. like he is in the act of we presume to be revolutionary. Right. Like it's one of those like we're in the moment and, of it. Uh, James Tancaster and Bo Burnham have both gone on record talking about how the comedians and the history that they draw the most from is absurdist comedy. Yeah. Like, is this weird out there, does not make sense, hard to follow comedy. And and, and we're going to get more of probably, you know, Bo, Bo Burnham, James Acaster-esque work in the next 10, 20 years. Oh, big time. Yeah, and, and you can, yeah, you can definitely tell that there is a huge need for that recently and a, uh, uh, pl- plenty of demand. Pl- yeah. Uh, yeah. And, um, and now that, that those two especially have shown kind of a groundwork, like a starting place that people can start editing now. Um, yeah, I think that's what's so interesting and exciting about James Acaster is not necessarily that what he has currently is so uh, remarkable. It's that he has set a new level one. Sure. That we can build on. Yeah. Um, but James Ackester will have um, groups of specials. So rather than, uh, and Daniel Sloss is the same thing, but rather than having one special um, that lasts an hour, which is the standard and like yeah. the, the HBO classic. It's right? what Randy does in this. What Randy too. does. It's it's the standard standup. Yeah. Um, or rather than having like uh, like a comedy series he has a collection of comedy specials that he will put under the same umbrella and yeah. ask you to watch in succession, like, together. Yeah. Um, but there'll be different experiences altogether. But there's but, a sort of, like, thematic string yes. tying it all together. And James Acaster, in the same way that MF Doom does it, he will have setups for punchlines in his first show oh my God. that he will randomly capitalize on. And so much so to the point where, and it's phenomenally impressive, he will have a setup in his very, very first show that legitimately, two and a half hours of viewing later, and in real time for the audience, they will only know if they watched his other ones. It's amazing. He will and have like setups actively for, remember it too. Yes, setups that, and it's not even like, like a little like inside joke for the people that know. It's like his special will hinge this joke will hinge on you having watched the previous specials. Yeah. And we'll set up hours later. Uh, or sorry, we'll, we'll, we'll give a punchline hours later, and it's impressive. Yeah. Um, so these people that are theater-type comedians um, that are really getting to the meat of uh, uh, a, a storytelling yeah. comedy special, yeah, yeah. I don't think Randy was was able to uh really hit on the head for for quite a couple reasons. And and so like to give a little bit more yeah. context into that as well as to us as the viewers in regards to Randy that this is the only special that we have seen of Randy. Right. We've not seen any previous special. Uh I think you and I have both seen clips from other specials mm-hmm. that he has done now. Um but we have not seen any previous special. Now he does allude to in this particular special purple privilege he does allude to one that he did in 2018 uh i believe it's called randy writes a book 
and uh, he talks about like the show, like or excuse me, like Randy right after like that show's performance. And so I I talked about it at the very beginning of this episode, but how this particular standup is constructed is that it's Randy in the present talking to the audience. And then there's Randy in 2018 just telling the story. And then there's Randy as seven years old and, you know, all going through these experiences. But I think what would really lead into the effectiveness of 2018 Randy was if we saw Randy writes a book and we didn't. Um, mm. But I think it's one of those cases that, oh, maybe this would have been a lot more interesting because I hadn't thought of that. Mm-hmm. But maybe this would have been a lot more interesting if we had seen Randy writes a book first, or at least like some other stand up of his first, as opposed to consuming purple privilege first. Uh, but uh, I had a similar experience with Daniel Sauce, for example, where I saw his special X, which is on HBO, uh-huh. and it seemed he seemed to constantly allude to like his other, I think one other special that he talked about his sister, I believe. Yeah, he was talking about that one a lot, but it didn't feel like I needed that special to like get this one per se i think it would have helped but i think in my personal opinion what really missed in the storytelling of randy's purple privilege was the fact that we didn't see randy writes a book and i think he was relying on that a lot as opposed to allow allowing himself to carve his own space in this own special ironically enough uh the special that you're talking about of daniel slosses and i i was making sure that this was the case because of the rules uh-huh. uh is actually called dark it's it's called it's called dark dark it's, yeah it's not called x oh no no, no. I mean, you're you're correct it is oh, x but no no x was referring to another special of his that you were talking about yes. we talked about his sister and yeah. the sister one was dark okay well yeah it was dark <laughs> <laughs> that's why it's called that um yeah, yeah, and and um, do I need a filibuster a little bit more? No, 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 I, I do have a thought. Sorry, <laughs> back to it. We're, we're skipping around in this in this segment. I like the, it, the audience can see that you're having the thought experience. It's a little bit different on an auditory medium. Sure, I'll, I'll, I'll uh, do we count hitting the table? No, I, I, I close one. I do, I think that's that's a cover up a bull mistake. Well, I mean, technically, the last... Okay, this is, you know, a peek behind the curtain, folks. Uh, because I use noise gates, I'm not going to bother explaining noise gates, but because I use noise gates, um, that means that some of the, like, the dings and the dongs and the coughs and, the, and maybe a sneeze, like, is not picked up by the microphones. Mm-hmm. Um, however, I mean, we're still going to, you know, you know, respond yeah. to it. So, I, all the I, same. Yeah, a, a BTS of the show would actually be kind of interesting. I wow, think. the 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 boy band. Yeah, yeah. Getting getting the K-pop stars to talk about this show would, would be, be awesome. Would be incredible. Yeah, but besides that, I mean the behind the scenes. Yeah, yeah. Well, anyways, um, Randy Feltface was uh, I think where he went wrong. Yeah. Um, and the the issue for him is yeah. that he did have. Blackouts, set changes, right. costume changes. That's true. Scenes. It wasn't really costume changes. We, I mean. Just different. Yeah, I right. mean, if, like, it's very clear, like, Randy sort of performs on top of this gigantic box. Yeah, right. Essentially, one can assume Heath is standing inside this box. Right. So there are blackouts, so Heath can run over to another box, and then it's a it's a different Randy in a different costume. Yeah. 
and it, and it's cute and it's endearing. Yeah. Um, but doing this makes it uh such that there is there is a storytelling aspect to the show that goes further than a person standing there telling a story. Yeah. And it is like we're being taken on this adventure, and so his job now is to paint the picture for us. You know what I mean? It's like to to take a th- take us on this journey with him. Right. Uh, and although I think that, and I think we might differ here, I actually do think that Randy is a very excellent wordsmith. Mm-hmm. And I think that his adjectives and the way that he explains things yes. are really interesting and fun to listen to. I'm with you. It's more that, um, it's more that his stories just kind of, uh, Pitter on, and it doesn't feel like he knows what the funny parts are. Exactly. Does that make yep. any sense? I'm, I'm, I'm with you there precisely. And then that becomes what we were talking about in the last segment of uh, when you eject on the story or a joke and then you just riff your own thing. Right. That happened one too many times. And I yeah. feel like. And it happened you... like multiple times. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I feel like if you know. Uh, and this is less about testing material with audiences and more about just the comedian themselves. You know what I mean? Yeah. The, the Heath. Um, is that uh, it's it's a largely about do you know what's actually funny about the thing that you're saying? Yeah. And so, like, for example, there are even some parts, too, where um, this is a little bit of a, like, a side of a segue, but um. Randy makes a couple of like super uh uh let's say on the border jokes, right? Like on the border of being okay, you know, uh in regards to like race or like ableism, for example. Yes. Uh where the the issue that like I don't want to be the arbiter on this sort of thing because I think even though some people may disagree with me and that's perfectly fine and I understand. I don't think comedians should be beholden to any rules per se on what jokes they can or can't make. Uh-huh. But I do feel like, hey, like if you are going to make or construct a joke that is about race or ethnicity or a uh, creed or uh, like, you know, uh, sexuality, ableism, anything like that, then there's half. First of all, that joke has to be original. And then at, if at the very least, if it's not original, then it has to speak to a larger point. And that's one thing of, that Dave Chappelle's really good about. And that's for the most part, for the most part. Mm-hmm. I know he caught some flack in this last stand up, but I can't attest to this last stand up that he put on Netflix. I don't even know what it's called. Um and I know he caught some flack for that mm-hmm. when it came when it came to transgender. But for the most part, yeah, or like Daniel Sloss, for example. Or I think like Hannah Gadsby yep. is fantastic, who Randy talks about. But I don't think Randy addressed it enough in his in this particular special. He does bring up, you know, the quote that I luckily wrote down in one of these pages. Uh, don't even know where I wrote it down. That's amazing. What, I am the best at writing notes. What was it about specifically? But it was a, in regards to privilege and oh, the fact... Oh, oh, oh. That, like, privilege is not, um, you know, things being given to you. Privilege is the lack of obstacles. Yeah, yeah. If you have more privilege, you have less less obstacles in front of you. And I never felt like he tied some of those jokes to that thank point. Thank you, thank you. I, I felt like he literally just added that one quote, which is an excellent little tidbit, little, little uh, soundbite. 
it's awesome, but felt so it disjointed felt like from it everything was else. Only inserted to justify the title. Yep. To justify the title and to justify him making those jokes, even though did not if he did, yeah. sure, but I don't think he tied them enough. Yeah. Or I I mean I don't I don't I never caught that he tied them. I'll just say that. Maybe that's same. my fault. I, no, 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 no. I, I, I had the exact same experience. I I have no idea why. Yeah, I'm I'm there. I'm willing to occupy the space of like, hey, maybe I'm wrong, maybe I did miss that. But on my first viewing of this subject, that was my experience. Yeah. Um where it felt like you were just making those jokes for the sake of making those jokes and we're allowed to forgive it a little bit more because, haha, it's a puppet making those jokes. It's the same thing as, like, Avenue Q, that right. musical where, like, everybody's a little bit racist and it's silly because yeah. it's a bunch of puppets doing that. So it's like, are, are they actual races or is it, like, they're... It's Yeah, it's pu- right, it's puppets. Yeah. Like, where, n- none so, of them have any cultural tie to or, or history to uh, uh, make anything they're saying wrong or right because... There is no culture or yeah. race attached. To and, and once again, I don't want to be the arbiter of like, you can't make those jokes. Right. Also, I'm not a comedian. I'm not a stand-up comedian. Yeah. I know this stuff is hard. And that's why, partially, I don't bother doing this stuff because I know how difficult it is. Um, And I don't, I mean, also because I don't have the passion for it, but also largely because I can't. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, but those, just simply doing those jokes are tired. Yeah, yeah. And I, like... You have to do more with those jokes simply because like just to just to belittle someone is not funny enough anymore. Right. There has to be either some form of originality and or ties to a larger point. Sure. Um, there I just want to say one thing on that uh on that Dave Chappelle special that you were talking about. Yeah. Um, because I, I don't want to do like a whole episode on it or whatever, but I did watch that with my family, not okay. the whole family. The members, one but... that came out relatively recently. Yes. Yeah. I'm, I'm trying to find do the title the, right now. You have, you're trying to find the title. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, it's, so, uh, so I need a filibuster for you. What's going on here? No, it, it, uh, uh, okay. Very good. Dang. I, I know. I know. Excellent I know. Analysis. It has something to do with, the... <laughs> 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 it has something to do with the, um, it's like like the last stand or something. I'm I'm, I'm not gonna say, go. It was, just came out. Just no, I know it. The closer. Page. That's it. The closer. Okay. Um, Mariano Rivera. Yes, I knew you're gonna have some baseball fucking joke. Okay. The closer. Um, I watched it with my dad and my brothers, and we had a really interesting conversation about what we thought of the special. And the only reason we watched it is because we did read a bunch of articles on um on people just fucking torching Dave Chappelle. And we were like, okay, well, Dave Chappelle's not an absolute idiot. So, like, I, I want to see what he had to say, right? Yeah. So, we watched it, and this is where I think he went wrong. Um, because every single point, similar to the Chappelle show, similar to most uh, every special that he's made so far, whatever joke he is making and wh- whoever he is making fun of, it is for the ultimate purpose of making a point almost always about race. Yeah. Um, and... It's been done masterfully every single time. Yeah. Uh, this last time, it the reason that it was sort of lost in translation, and the and the reason that there were quite a few people that were pretty upset. Yeah. Um, is actually I don't think it was his. In my in my opinion, it had nothing to do with his actual beliefs. Um, in terms of the LGBTQ plus or transgender community, although he said some like pretty insensitive things in terms of like what he believes about them. I don't think that any of those things were 
out of color or out of pocket, I guess is, is the term. It's more that he was using a, uh, a transgender slash LGBTQ plus avenue to make his points on race. Yeah. Which was where it became problematic. Weird. Yeah. 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 yeah Cause you, cause it's like, well, you, if we're like going to talk about this, you can understand where, where he's trying to get to, but like you can question the path that he takes. Yeah. And, and it's, and it's largely because you're like, wait a second. Uh, yeah. I don't think that we should be minimizing those problems in order to in order to shed light on these problems. Sure. And then, like that's a fair criticism and like people are open to like it. I mean, yeah. we, we know people who don't like it. We even know transgender people who do like that stand up. Right. 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 So. And, and 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 that's what one of the big points that he makes is that he's like the the biggest fan of this stand up special that I'm giving you right now was this transgender yeah. person that tells this whole story. But but you see but, how like how he pushes the envelope uh-huh. so much because he is the one that, that built that envelope in the first place. Right, exactly. I mean exactly, not exactly. not necessarily. I'm giving him a lot of credit there. But But he he is he is definitely a master of the form and was revolutionary because of that. Be, and because, then to such a degree to to then to tie it to Randy That's where Randy was. I mean well like okay we are comparing Randy to one of the greatest greatest comedians of our time. Yeah. Totally unfair. True. <laughs> totally unfair. True. But at the same time, if you're going to and, – and I mean Randy is asking us to do that whenever Randy makes such difficult jokes or, or, or jokes that are uh, tricky. You yeah. know what I mean? Like there are so many times whenever Dave Chappelle has talked about things that are tricky – and you go in thinking it's about to be bad, and then you come out the other side like that was kind of smart. That was a fun yeah, time. Yeah. But there was never a moment in the show where I'm like, oh, that was smart. No. The never, closest, ever, ever, ever. the closest that it was to it was, uh, shoot, it's was it the last me. joke? But it was uh, not necessarily the last joke when he was telling the story of how he got kicked off the set. Yeah. Uh, for the reality I show. I thought that was fun. Uh, what I liked more, the only story that worked for me truly was when. Uh, he was talking about that family or like the guy who ran this lead company. Yeah, and yeah, like yeah. that was the only. I mean, it's it's the details are already you know tr- starting. Was, to it, was that the up. one where at the end he was like and the, I his thought, son, wow, like but, or his nephew burned down the whole yeah, house? Yeah, and he was like, "Wow, who gives a fuck?" Exactly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's that was pretty funny. Yeah. Well, that but like that felt like it was the only. I don't know. Like it was just one of those few things that like it actually worked. You were for like, me. You, you got me. I, I was on. I was. I was with you. I was yeah. With you. Yeah. But so much of the show. I mean, when you're talking about like, we're also trying to make an hour worth of content for this hour long comedy special. Oh, yes, yeah, so we kind of have to talk about Ooh. comedy as a whole rather than just the. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So like, it's a little bit piece. difficult for us too, but it's even more difficult when it's just like, man. But half that special like got to be worked on in, in some degree. Yeah. yeah. And, and like. Even bigger of an issue when some of our favorite parts of the show was when Randy wasn't doing anything that he wrote. That it was yeah. it was just straight up interacting with the audience. Yeah, right, right. And like so like even like the opening and the closing song, I'm like, these are fine, you know, uh-huh. but I'm not I don't think the jokes themselves within those were well constructed enough for them to hold right. merits. Especially now that yeah. Uh, musical comedy has become such a uh, an accessible thing. Like, yeah. I, I just had a thought experience that I, I want to explore. Right where <laughs> I witnessed it. it was let me let ahead. me let me compare 
Randy to Hannah Gadsby, which is once again not fair to Randy because he's True. like, God damn it, Hannah Gadsby is having the breakout moment of her career, and here but, I am, a puppet. But he does acknowledge Hannah Gadsby in the special. Yes. And that seems that, that's a friend the of other his. famous Australian. Comedian. Right, exactly. So go ahead. Uh but with that being said, so when I saw Nanette, which was Hannah Gadsby's like breakout stand-up, mm-hmm. the jokes themselves within it, pretty funny, right? But when what sells Nanette is how it ends and the sort of ideas thematic idea that she wanted to really leave the audience with yeah so if the show's jokes themselves and the storytelling a little bit suffers in order to get to that theme fine but it felt for like a large part of it that randy was sort of like tiptoeing in the middle of it like didn't commit enough to a theme and didn't commit enough to the jokes that was actually being said so it just left Randy yeah. in this muddy water yeah. of not being able to identify what this special was really about. Yeah, and and that I think uh, that that's what is so safe, um, but also so interesting about this new uh, this new new style of comedy that we're like yeah. we were talking about the evolution of comedy, and th- and that is the thing that is on the forefront right now is this uh, style of. Um, purposeful and intentional comedy that has a point um that's that they're trying to make and And, i think that was not all comedy has to be that no not at all not at all but i think that when that why we're talking about dave Chappelle is because he is one of the people that ushered that in and one of the people that brought that out and if randy is going to do that he needs to do that well it's fine if you tell straight up jokes for two hours like nobody is asking you to Deliver this thematic yeah. message, but if you're going to deliver like, a thematic message, well, then you you got to execute that. Okay, here, here's my sizzle serve. I actually think that in terms of the amount of times that I laughed and the things that I found funny, I think Randy Feltface actually is pretty comparable to Hannah Gadsby or Daniel Sloss or mm. James A. Caster. Mm. I think that I think the way Randy lacks ultimately. And why this is a subpar special in comparison to Hannah Gatsby. Oh, two-minute warning. Hello. Two-minute warning. Hello. Um, in comparison to the other people is because uh, he he does not quite have that purpose. Um, and I don't need a sob story like he was talking about in reality TV. Yeah. It's just I need you to say something if you're not going to be absolutely fall out of my seat funny. Exactly. Um, so uh, were there any uh, were there any gold medal jokes for you? I mean, it was just when he was looking down the aisle and like, some really, of the yeah. physical manifestations. Like, this, the best way right now after consuming this special, this is my opinion right now. It could change in the future. The best way, I think, to consume Randy, just watch some clips on YouTube. Yeah. I'm not sure if you should watch a full special. What's best of? Because it felt like in this performance, he was having a rough time filling in the time. Yeah, uh, and it kind of hurt to watch at some point. However, some moments really hit well. So, therefore, and what got me to watch the special was some clips on YouTube. So, yeah. I would honestly recommend that. I think Randy has a lot of potential, and I would love, love to see more puppet comedians or just like different interpretations to the art that is comedy in the future, as like in the in terms of like the apparatus that comedy is done, like Randy Mac. Uh, Randy has a just like you said a lot of potential the concept is there and Heath is clearly smart even though this special was not a good representation of what Randy I think is or could be yeah. um so even though I have not seen it I would recommend 
if you were going to watch a special of Randy Felt Faces, to go to the first one from 2018, even though we did not watch that. Um, because, one, that's the more popular one, but also because I, I can nearly guarantee that that is a better exploration of the concept than this one, which already had an established concept. What are we Danny, watching next time? Oh, 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 oh. we're watching uh, Dark Season 2, which is easy to say because we already watched Season 1. So, Dark Season 2. Hello.